Hello, and welcome to the Pretty Pixels podcast. I am your host, Joey Crundwell, joined this week by one Mr. Ron Kluinski. Say hi, Ron. No. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) A very cordial hello. Uh, And we have a special guest this week, Kimberly Shadek, curator of the upcoming Game On, the History of Video Games and Gaming Consoles exhibit at NIU's Founders Library, NIU's where I work as well. Um, and she's a librarian and assistant professor there and old friend of Ron, old friend of mine as well. And I have a story about that. But hello, Kimberly. Thank you hello. for joining us. Thank you. I want to start by just talking about how bizarre it is that the three of us are on this podcast episode because Ron has been a regular recurring guest and co-host. Uh, and you guys go back a long way. Uh, and he introduced me to you years ago. And you ended up at NIU of your own mm-hmm. personal journey. And then you started this game exhibit and you were like, hey, do you want to be involved? And I said, yes, of course. And then Ron was like, hey, you should have Kimberly on. And he was already going to be on this podcast. But like, it's so bizarre to me because I remember this was probably like 10 or 11 years ago. And Ron was taking me into the city to go to his then girlfriend, now wife's house, Andrea, our uh, apartment. Um, and we get there and I walk in. And I see the Super Nintendo plugged into the TV with Chrono Trigger in it. And I'm like, whose is that? Like, who the fuck? Uh, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's Kimberly. And he had, he had mentioned you before. And I was like, damn, that's awesome. So then the first time we met, which I think was just like a week or two later, immediately I was like, Chrono Trigger, huh? <laughs> and we had this whole conversation about Chrono Trigger. And at the time, you were getting your, correct me if I'm wrong, your master's for to become a librarian, right? That's right. Yep. Yeah, and then you were you got a job in the city at a library, and then mm-hmm. recently, the last year, two, year yep, and a half? Yep, about a year or so, yep. You got a job at NIU's Founder Library, and which is where I work and go to school, and so I don't work at the library, I work at NIU, but, um, and then you started this exhibit, and, and now we're all on the same podcast episode, and to me, that's just... <laughs> serendipity but uh... <laughs> there's like another level to this too um that chrono trigger game had on it and still has on it like a little taped on post-it note that says um kimberly's favorite game do not touch because when i was i went to northern as an undergrad for one whole semester just Whoa. didn't work out for various reasons and i lived in the dorms in neptune north and um brought my games with me and labeled them all to keep my roommates hands off of them. So um, there's this weird NIU connection even with that story. <laughs> and with Chrono Trigger, which is also my favorite, is it still your favorite game? You know, I, I've i been thinking about that for most of the day today. And um, I'd have to put favorite games into like different categories. And gotcha. if I was like forced to pick a favorite game, it would probably be Final Fantasy Seven, um, but uh, Chrono Trigger, Secret of Mana, uh, that and Skyrim are all sort of like fighting for like first and second, third, fourth place. So it's up there. Okay, that's that's good enough. I that's, was about to that's an acceptable answer for Joey. And move on. <laughs> you could find stay. Another guest. It's <laughs> <laughs> all I got. But, well, again, thank you for joining us. We're going to talk about the exhibit later in the podcast. That's going to be our showcase. Um, Before we get to that, let's talk about some news and some games we've been playing. A lot of news this week. We'll try to move through it pretty quickly. But um, Ariana Grande is performing a virtual concert in Fortnite this Friday, August 6th uh, at 6 p.m. Eastern time. 
And when I saw that, this seems the weirdest thing, but I was like actually really excited because there was that Travis Scott concert in Fortnite, Fortnite that happened last year or the year before. I think it was last year. I want to say it was like early pandemic ish thing. I didn't, I didn't go to it because I'm like, I don't know who Travis Scott is. It just seems like, you know, whatever. But it ended up being, from all reports, amazing and just such a cool experience. Did you go to that, Ron? No, I was, I, I had fallen off of Fortnite at that point for a little while. And yeah, um, it was, do you have to pay extra? Like, how does, how does that work? Do you have to pay? No, Fortnite. I don't think so. No, it's just, you just show up. So you could, if you, as long as you got a a, a Fortnite uh, or an Epic account to get into Fortnite, like you just can just go in. And I think they changed it now to where you could go in and like not worry about dying or getting shot or anything like that. Cause like normally when they did their like, in-game events they would do them in um during during the, a regular match so if right. you got killed in the match like you could miss out on the actual event uh which kind of sucked because there were a lot of people like they were doing some big like world changing event and a bunch of people like set up this thing to like watch the whole thing like work together in mid-match to, like set this it's up a big platform and then someone came by and destroyed the platform and killed almost everybody in the match yeah, um, and like kind of everyone missed it pretty much. Um, I don't know. I feel like that's fair, fair game. <laughs> <laughs> so well, but I mean, like the the thing is, they're they're one time events. Like, so if yeah. you miss it, like that you don't get to see. You have to watch like a clip or something. Um, but they they kind of changed it now to where you can either go into like you know just like a server and see it, or well, you know, I don't know if they. I the last time I hopped into like just going to the private server stuff, like they they changed it a little bit. So, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't. I haven't. I haven't looked in. I don't know the rules anymore. I've never anymore. actually played Fortnite. So, I the kid the kids are not quite old enough. So I've been kind of holding off until like you know another like middle school or something. So probably not a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. yeah more for the online chat environment right. than <laughs> right than the gameplay, but. But yeah, I have not played in a really long time, but I'm I'm totally down for this. I'm going to I'm going to sign in. I'm going to use those skins that I paid money for that I haven't used Chun-Li and Ray. I can't use them both. I'm just going to keep how, signing in. How how much money have you spent on Fortnite skins lately? On skins? I mean, I bought Batman, I bought Chun-Li, I bought Ray, Tab bought me Kylo Ren. And th- those are all premium skins too, right? Yeah, so like twelve bucks or something like that. Yeah, so probably thirty, when's, forty bucks. And when's the last time you played Fortnite? Um, October eighteenth, two thousand four. Um, <laughs> it feels like that. It's a, it's been a long time. But are you guys interested in this all? I mean, Kim, I, you said you ha- you haven't played it, but I I, I would, mean I'm interested. I would be interested, but I'm also going to be possibly on the road at that point, so I probably won't oh, be able okay. to see it unless I like log in for my phone or something. Mobile. Which oh, I, it's I August do that. 6th. Yeah, it's August 6th. It's that yeah. Friday. We're supposed yeah, to be we're, we're supposed to be camping that weekend. Yeah, we're camping. So damn it. We can we can all hang around a phone though and, and watch it, watch Syria <laughs> instead of a campfire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so in some kind of bad news though, um why well, I, I guess I don't know how you guys feel about this, but Horizon Forbidden West, which was one of the most highly anticipated games of the year, I was super excited for it, has probably been delayed to early twenty twenty two. There's been unconfirmed but heavily reported leaks, essentially, uh, that it's going to be officially pushed back soon to 2022. I guess it's not surprising, but I'm personally disappointed. 
Uh, any interest in that? Anyone anyone disappointed as me as I am? Uh, I'm not. I like I said, I, I haven't played you the first haven't one. Played the first so, one, yeah. but I mean, I'm not surprised if that they're pushing that back just because, like, yeah. you know, things are still kind of shitty. So it's probably really hard to make a you know big budget game, especially something that's going to be like showcasing the power of the PS5. Um, it's probably hard to do that in you know in the next three months. Is what, what what was its original like window? Was it just fall winter? I think it said holiday twenty twenty one. So or probably like, like November ish. Yeah, uh, that's probably hard to do in the next three months, if, especially if they know they're not ready. Like, and right. again with all the high profile games that you know got pushed back and then still came out and then did poorly or looked poorly. Uh, so they, many games are delayed to twenty twenty two though that. 20 that next year is going to be a great year for games because all these games that were supposed to come out this year have been pushed back i mean again though it's like they can either put it out in a broken state and then hope for the best that they'll recoup their money later on or just wait you know yeah yeah no i think it's a good decision i'm i'm i don't i i definitely don't give companies crap for pushing things back i think you should release a completed polished game CD project. Uh, and so like, if you need more time, take more time. I would much rather get a fully finished, polished game in March of 2022 than something broken and ugly and unfinished. Than an ET. Than an ET. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> kick the See, you're already getting on that retro kick that yeah. we're going to be talking about. I'm like, I'm like Cyberpunk 2077, and you're like ET <laughs> e. in the same landfill the, the, together. The original Cyberpunk, <laughs> but that's that was a good that's a good example though. Honestly, was it wasn't it like um, he, three months or yeah, three months? Yeah, three months. One guy too programmed the whole thing in three months, and um, it's actually pretty impressive what he did. But it's still a, it's still adaptation. At least he realized that it was a bad game. Like yeah. when it was, yeah, going, I like, think he's he, like proud. Of yeah. it being the worst game ever, which I think is an appropriate it's way a, to feel. It's it's a bad yeah. game. It's not. Well, but the thing is, is like you go back and play a lot of Atari games, and like especially the licensed ones, a lot of them are just broken. Like yeah. in general, like it's it's not just ET, but I think that was just like just because of what ET was. I think that's what made it worse for it. But I do think playing those games make you makes you appreciate the the good ones more. Like I played Pitfall for the first time on an Atari a couple of years ago, and I was so impressed. Like, wow, this feels like an NES game. Like the graphics are really rudimentary, but in terms of like the platforming and the movement from area to area, it felt so much more advanced than like the Empire Strikes Back game that I played with. It was just hot garbage. Playing, playing that one specific Pitfall specifically on original hardware like feels really good. Uh, playing that like you know more like modern emulation stuff of it is not nearly as responsive it feels pretty good but it's not there's something about the way that that game handles with that joystick it feels just much better i don't know yeah so um so we we were we talked about last week the uh blizzard and activision lawsuit that's happening with with california and just today ron pointed out to me a new story uh, about Blizzard President J. Allen Brock, I think Brock or Brack, stepping down. So that is, I guess, a first step, maybe in the right direction. This kind of thing, like, I don't know how to read because 
getting rid of one person doesn't necessarily change the culture of a company. Um, but it is the president. It's the the top person at Blizzard. So I guess maybe hopefully it's just the tip of the iceberg in terms of what they're going to be. Uh, so I'm looking into this. Um, he's worked at Blizzard since 06. Uh, was recently made executive producer of World of Warcraft, and he has been president of Blizzard since 2018. So he hasn't been president that long. Uh, so, so what was he before he was president? Before he was president, he was just working at Blizzard. He just right. basically worked his way up the ranks, I guess. I so mean, he might just be a fall guy. Might just be could be yeah a sacrifice. So, so yeah, I don't know. Um, and then. Did you guys get to see the trailer for Stray? I did. That yes. game about being a cat. Ah, oh, it's so adorable. So we saw the trailer originally at E3 of 2021, I believe. No, it was the 2020. 2020. It was okay. 2020. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, because it was before yeah, the PS5. Because I right. thought it was going to be a PS5 like launch-ish game, but yeah, and it's a game by Blue Twelve Studio, published by Annapurna Interactive. And essentially, you are a cat in a robot world. So there's a bunch of robots around. They're the people, the inhabitants of this world. And you're a cat just... And then in the original teaser trailer, they don't show much. They just show that you're a cat and you can go around and do stuff. But now in this trailer, they show that you can do actual cat stuff. You can claw a couch. You can lick your butthole you can knock stuff off the shelf knock stuff off a shelf you can go like rub on a person's leg very lovingly and so i was sold at licking the butthole i don't know about you but i'm i'm all in that's the that's my calling um no it, it looks amazing like i was already kind of on board with the original concept of like here's a game that looks really good from a, a studio that seems very competent where you're a cat because i feel like games have tried that before to you know, not great success. And so I was already on board. It looked adorable, but this trailer really sold me because just looking at the the number of things that you can do in this trailer um, and how good the world looks and how how satisfying it looks to just explore and interact with things. Yeah, I was excited um, to actually like see like actual gameplay because I wasn't quite sure what kind of game it was going to be. Right. I was still interested in it, but I was now like seeing like what you're doing. Like, okay, that seems a that seems like a game I will play. Also disappointed that it's going to be 2022, but you know, again, I and it's just for I, PlayStation. Uh, I think so. I, I, I maybe like launch exclusive. I can try to yeah. see if I can find it out here. But yeah, that's a, that's another one where it was probably pushed. Like they didn't give a release window previously, so at least to my knowledge, so I, I, initial release date was just 2021. That's all it says. Yeah, uh, so it looks like it will be. It is on Steam, or will be on okay. Steam. So, a uh, question: You all know way more than I do about this stuff. I I over I overheard that there is uh, Steam is coming out with its own console. The Steam like Deck. Steam yeah. Deck. What's the deal with that? That is a handheld portable. It looks like the Switch. It's a handheld portable system. Um, I think it's starting at 500 and going up to mm. 650. 650, I believe. So there's three configurations. Um, the highest configuration, well, the two, the mid and the highest configuration have SSD hard drives. Um, so slightly faster loading. The highest one has like scratch proof glass and um, they all come with a carrying case. But either way, it's a portable way for you to access your 
Steam library, and you can just like with the Switch, you can plug it into a dock and hook it up to a TV okay. or a monitor. Um, so a lot of people are looking at it as a way, like if you don't have a gaming PC, a relatively cheap way to get a very kind of baseline gaming PC that you could hook up to a monitor or a way to, to take your existing Steam library if you have a, mm -hmm. a huge expansive one on the go. So it's pretty pricey, but yeah, I was going to say 500. Yeah. Bring, but bringing all those, I mean, for me, it's too pricey to just, you know, it, for me, I would have to be, I would have to have a reason to get it other than just, it would be cool to have. Mm -hmm. Um, because it would be cool to have, but I just I don't have five hundred dollars to <laughs> throw it. Is it five hundred round? I think it's it I think it starts at five fifty, and then yeah, I think it goes up okay. to it's either six fifty or seven hundred or something like that. It's, yeah, but I mean, like I I didn't look too much in the specs of it, but I think it's on par with my current gaming laptop. Um, yeah. Oh wow! That I've had for like three years now, so it might even be better than that. It's. Um, but like it also has mouse and keyboard support. So if you want to use it as like a PC gaming machine, you could do that as well. It's not just strictly limited to the controls because I'm sure a lot of it, um, a lot of games don't work with controllers still. It um, looks like the base unit will be $399, but if you want, okay. you know, okay, decent so storage, then it's going to be bigger. That's right. The 400 is 64 gigabytes, I think, right? Yeah. I, that, yeah. Yeah which is very tiny, but... But, I mean, if you're not putting a bunch of games on there or if you don't mind, yeah. like, offload, I'm sure it probably has some sort of external storage options, too. I think so. Yeah, so, I think you can put a... a or, like, a cloud subscription. Yeah. But, I mean, it seems interesting. It's I, I, Same thing with Joey. Like, I, it's not for me because I have, like, a gaming laptop. So... Mm -hmm. But I, I'm, people were curious, like, can you use the, like, you know like software like version um like you know because steam awful also offers like pc software like options like can you use that stuff on there too like can you do like some like basic video editing or 3d rendering on there as well like would it be capable of doing that stuff which is it's curious. just it, it's this weird like hybridization between you know pc and console and i wonder if we're gonna see more of those lines being blurred. I feel like it, this generation just proves it more because they're basically all the systems are the same in one way or another. Mm -hmm. Like they're basically just PCs at this point, like porting, yeah. they're using all the same architecture. They're not really like, you know, making the emotion engine or the cell chip or anything like that. They're just kind of using off the shelf parts, uh, which are st still hard to get apparently because can't buy anything in stores right now because mm -hmm. can't make any more. Um, so that kind of, that didn't work out the way they wanted it to, but pandemic aside, mm -hmm. everything's pretty easy. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about what we've been playing. Who would like to go first, Ron? <laughs> that didn't sound like a question. That sounded like, who would like to go first, Ron? <laughs> Ron? Uh, I choose Joey. No, um, I haven't been playing much, um, just cause I have a lot of stuff going on, but I did start playing the playstation 5 version of doom eternal um mm. i had to start from the beginning because apparently uh they don't do save transfer from the previous generation on sony what? platforms yeah uh pc and xbox uh do but sony does not so i have to start my That's whole campaign silly. all is it, over is it because it's a bethesda game and they're trying That's to what a lot of people are speculating that seems um, very suspicious 
yeah, for those of you who don't know, um, Doom is made by id, who is owned by Bethesda, who is owned by Microsoft now. Um, and I'm playing on a Sony platform. So there's a good chance that that's why my save is not allowed to cross over. I guess. I don't know. So, it's so it's such a dumb fucking thing. If that um, is the reason, yeah, it's very like old school console wars. Yeah, of all of all the people petty. to Microsoft being like, oh, no, we want open open game and everyone cross platform. Yeah. And then like, eh, except for you guys, you can't save <laughs> over. I mean, I don't mind like a lot of the challenges were really hard to do initially, but I was able to do some of them pretty easy not easily but i was able to do them within a couple shots so i feel like i could probably beat that game again and get where i was even though i completed the entire game um is the upgrade noticeable is it does yes it look really good it looks okay. it looks way way better uh i mean not like i don't know i haven't played the ps4 version since last year like mid last year when i beat it um so it kind of looks the same, but there are things that I've noticed that like do look like some reflection stuff like that I don't remember seeing before. And um, it does play smoother. Um, like there's no like slowdown or anything like that. So it seems like it keeps pretty constant frame rate. Um, and it was 60 frames per second on PS4 too, I believe it? it was, yeah. With, okay. some, with some steady or some, you know, slight drops here and there. But I feel like, I, mean, I don't know, I haven't hit like the parts where it's like all action yet. That's a little mm-hmm. more middle ish where it starts getting hairy but so far it seems like it's running pretty smooth so i am also playing on an easier difficulty just because like i did beat it before so like i don't need to prove yeah. myself again so and you can change difficulty right yeah you so can change it all on the fly that. so yeah once i get yeah if, I, if i'm feeling it's too easy i can bump it up and if it gets too hard i can bring it back down so and that game's hard cool. i forgot how 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 hard it can get and it's yeah it's i that's one of the things i bought it but i'm intimidated by it because it seems harder the first game was pretty hard but like i persevered but with this one i'm a little nervous i think the hardest part of doom eternal is remembering all the systems in it as far as like you know the the, the chain of events of like you're running low on ammo so now you need to chainsaw this guy you're running low on health so you need to burn this guy you know like that sort of like right. remembering those chains of commands and all that stuff and like getting into the cycle like that's the, that's probably the hardest part but then once you start doing it enough it's it becomes second nature sort of like with a the final fantasy remake like playing through that like still hard to wrap my head around but once i start doing it more i get i get a little better at it every every time so yeah um but yeah, you haven't you haven't continued that i haven't no i i haven't had a chance to sit down and do it we've been watching the olympics here and there so mm. kind of sit down mainly just the skateboarding and bmx stuff cuz that's really all i care about Everything else is kind of, I think that's what, that's why I never really got into the Olympics because all they ever show is like gymnastics and swimming. And it's just like, that's cool, but that's not for me. I like that. I can just like now go in and watch stuff on demand and be like, these are the events that I want to see. Um, So let me just watch those instead of, I love watching. I love watching the Olympics via TikTok clips because like, on TikTok, people will make mm-hmm. the be- they pick the best clips and then they put this hilarious commentary over it. So it's like I'm getting sort of like a greatest hits. I just watched one where a long jumper's pants split and like sand came out of the hole when he stood up. It was very funny. 
Um, that's the Olympics that I want to see. So I'm getting like yeah. a perfect uh, version of the Olympics. But. There's a lot of weird little moments like that. That one, I think it was this Australian coach who was like thrusting. Yeah. When his, you know, the thrusting <laughs> bit, uh, clip is good. All of the New Zealanders doing the like, the like, you know, chant thing before and the, the games. I don't know if you've seen. Yeah, the dance. Yeah, yeah, that's been really cool. So just, yeah, lots of good tiktok material for sure so did you yeah. I, I did you guys see the 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 meme third place meme winner guy i don't oh yes i guess i did it's a someone drew a cartoon of a guy winning you don't know in the first couple panels that he's won third place but he's I, celebrating up the screen right now you could see like he's, yeah it's a dude like he's biting his metal he sell he's kissing this woman very passionately and then it zooms out and you see that he's won third place <laughs> Yeah, that was a weird and moment. A dude really did that at this Olympics. Yeah, he like, told I don't me. know if he was doing okay. it intentionally. He, he literally, no, he he did it intentionally. He was a Brazilian okay. athlete. He literally did it all intentionally because he walked off the podium and he specifically was looking for his like wife or girlfriend and like ran up to her and like kissed her and then like walked well, off for like him. like just yeah. totally like doing the meme thing. Like he did it. Like he actually did it on a grand stage, <laughs> winning third place. But I mean. It's like winning third place at the Olympics is still yeah. an incredible oh, feat. Yeah. That's why, you know, I think Simone Biles just won bronze and people were like, oh, well, I guess that's good enough. It's like, what the fuck? It's I, bronze at the Olympics. I, like right. going to the Olympics I mean, they lit, is hard enough. People actually like juxtapose like the images together and it's like, yeah, that's exactly, <laughs> exactly what it is. Like him just doing the thing. It's I was thinking you were talking about the um, the woman who was. Uh, improperly given the oh. gold, and I think she was the the bronze winner. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see um, that. Yeah, they they put it around her neck, and you know she had to awkwardly give it to the the first the actual gold winner. So. Oh, geez. Yeah. That's. It looked like they were kind of laughing a little bit, though. Like, so yeah, it didn't seem yeah. like it was too much of like a oh too darn, traumatic. Get, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's the thing is I these there are clips on TikToks that I TikTok that I see that are that are kind of moving of like this small, this very small country that literally has never won a medal and they are winning like gold in something and just watching like the pure emotion of like that juxtaposed with the people who have won. Oh, this is their eighth Olympic and their fourth gold medal or something mm -hmm. like that's great too. But watching these countries where it's like that person is going to mean so much to that country, like to their people. And like, I, that's, I do like that stuff. I just don't like watching all of the Olympics to like get those little nuggets of mm -hmm. like joy right. and emotion. That's why I like watching like the skateboarding and the BMX because like those are the first times that those events are there. So it's like these are like groundbreaking like uh, medals. So like these are the first winners of these events sort of thing. Didn't so a that, 13 year old win one of the skating? So the skating, trophies? the combined age of the, 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 the podium was like 46 it wow. was two 13 year olds and a 16 year old i think is that, is that, that bad or 30 or 40 i know i can't math right now anyway they were all really young and uh that was the podium and it was uh japan i think brazil and then japan uh bronze gold bronze silver oh, gold. Cool. dang so yeah it was and then pretty impressive so the podium was younger than tony hawk yes Yes, what you're saying. <laughs> Guaranteed younger than Tony Hawk. Wow, that's that's pretty amazing. It's three um, girls in a trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> Kimberly, what have you been playing recently? 
So I've been playing um, Octopath Traveler for Ooh. the Switch, which is a square game. Um, but I'm kind of losing interest. I, you know, I love Squaresoft uh, and I love this type of game, but um, it's just, I don't know, it's not doing it for me. I, I think it's one of those that you just kind of have to hang on a little bit longer and keep playing um and finding like the map very have you played it joey at all i have yeah yeah i found the map very confusing like i'm just not quite sure i completely understand the gameplay enough to like really enjoy it did you like it i was torn i fell off of it too and i hate falling off of rpgs i usually make myself stick with them but like the way that the game is set up, there's eight characters that you collect and each one of them has like several phases to their story. And I went through, I think everyone's phase one and then I just dropped off. And I want to say that's like a third of the game. But for me, it was the combat. The combat is so time consuming and mm-hmm. grindy and you have to grind. It's very old yeah, school RPG. It is in very grindy. Yeah. And so it's like when you have that combination of like you have to grind with unsatisfying and laborious combat like I just couldn't put myself through it it's a beautiful game and like you said I love it really nails that like old school JRPG aesthetic and feeling and just the combat got in the way for me so I fell off as well yeah we'll see I um my daughter who is six um she I'll just hand it to her and she'll grind for me so like that's huh. been really nice perfect <laughs> yeah that's, that's a nice why you have kids exactly some people have kids for like lawn work you're like nope grinding an RPG <laughs> exactly <laughs> um and I'm still not done with um Stardew Valley I yeah. haven't you know like that's the game where there is no end point and I have but I have to decide what for myself is my end point like do I want to 100% all the you know get all the find all the items and all of that or like where am I satisfied with ending and I'm and I haven't figured that out yet so that's also another one I'll play with my daughter she has um, a house on my farm and you know it's it's yeah I love that's that that's awesome game. so do I and like you said I I don't know where to stop. And like, I played it so much. The first time I played it, I was very thorough. My anxiety was like through the roof. So I was so meticulous and like getting everything and doing everything. So I got to like year four and I was like, all right, I'm done with this game. I feel like I'm at a stopping point. And then I would have friends saying, oh, I'm going to pick it back up and start a new farm. And I was like, how can you do that? Like I I put so (laughs) much work into my farm and these relationships and then I tried it and I was like now I see because it's so rewarding to just start all over and go through all of that stuff again um my anxiety tells me not to do that because it's like you're just retreading you're just wasting your time doing the same thing but there's just something about that game that just is so relaxing it is and just rewarding I just yeah I I agree who do who who's your I I, this is the question I gotta ask everyone who did you romance like who's your I was gonna ask you that um so and I can't remember her name right now for some reason but it's the um the seamstress with the blue hair she's kind of quirky and she sews stuff what is her name dang (laughs) Abigail no Abigail's the other one with she's the gamer yeah um yeah She's Haley's Let's sister, see. the blue yeah. hair chick, right? Yeah. Dang, yeah, I can't remember. Valley. Um my, you? my like my main crush is Leah, but the first time I played this is embarrassing. I'll, I need to tell the whole story at some point. We don't have time today, but I ended up going with Haley. Don't judge me. Don't judge <laughs> me. I know she's mm. she seems the worst. <laughs> um 
but she undergo undergoes so much more personal growth than a lot of the other characters that like when I was going through it, I was really my first choice was Leah. But as I was playing it, I was like, Leah doesn't seem to want to be in a relationship with me. Like she seems to have her own thing. Mm -hmm. She doesn't like need me. Um, I would feel weirdly kind of bad taking her out of the game or out of her like home. Yeah, Emily. Yeah. Um, And then Penny was the same way. I felt like Penny was in such a bad situation that she was hinting a lot at wanting to be like saved or rescued. And that made me feel really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I ended, I stupidly ended up going with the very last person that I wanted to go with <laughs> in year one. Um, but I was happy with that. I thought she, she did end up making like really growing and changing a lot. Uh, but then my second playthrough, I went with Leah. And then my third playthrough, I think I went with Abigail and I regretted it. Yeah, um, I've heard that's so not a next. good match. Yeah, I thought I, she was like, she's a gamer. She's a nerd. She's kind of, you know, goth and like emo. Uh-huh. All checks boxes for me, but she's very immature. So, yeah, I kind of like I started um, courting Shane mm-hmm. because that's an, another interesting character growth. Yeah. Uh, but I just don't have it in my heart to uh, divorce Emily. We have two kids together. So. But um, I might just, you know, I might just do that to see how it feels. <laughs> it doesn't feel great. Let me tell you, I did that in my second playthrough um, at with Leah. I had gotten so I, we'd gotten married and, and had kids. And I was like, I want to do another romance, but I don't want to start a new game. And if, if you haven't played it and you don't know, you have to go through this whole ordeal with a witch. And she basically erases your spouse's memory and turns your kids into birds who fly away. It's Ooh. it's it's really dark, but okay. And and I think I named my kids after my real kids, so that might be a little too difficult for me. Fly away. <laughs> yeah. Farewell. Um. So yeah, you're gonna start a new farm, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I should probably do that. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I'll probably get around get around to that. I've been playing. I mentioned last week Persona Five Royal. I'm about halfway through. I think um, I love that game. That you know, nothing will replace Chrono Trigger as my favorite game, but Persona Five is is up there for sure. Um, so I'm still having fun with that. I'm still playing Everybody's Golf with uh, my friends. I finished the Persona Four Golden Anime, and I want to comment on something that I feel kind of dumb about in retrospect. On, a, on I think last week's or the week before's episode, I talked about watching it and how the opening of it was so rushed and confusing and like all of these characters just appeared from the game and they had no introduction. Well, what I found out is there's two separate animes. There's the Persona 4 anime and the Persona 4 Golden anime. And the Persona 4 Golden anime takes place after the game. So they rush through the opening part of the game and then they just imagine that you already know all these characters. So... It makes sense now to me why they skipped a bunch of the story. Um, and now I just can't find the regular Persona 4 anime anywhere, which is kind of sad. Um, and then the last thing I want to mention is I started a new podcast called, not started, I started listening to a new podcast called uh, Game Studies Study Buddy. Game Studies Study Buddy. Yeah, it is a tongue twister. But um, if people are interested in game studies, I would definitely recommend checking it out. I. As someone who has a background in English, so I have a bachelor's degree in English and then a master's degree in English, and with my PhD, 
I've started to shift over to game studies, but of course my department doesn't offer that. So I'm, I'm stuck with kind of catching and kind of catching up and learning it on my own. This podcast seems like it would be a great help for that because they go through a lot of key texts in video game studies and kind of discuss them and summarize them, uh, talk about interesting points and things that contribute to the game study, the field of game studies or not. And so I would recommend if anyone's listening to this and you're interested in that, I I definitely think you should check it out. But yeah, that is what I've been playing. Okay, so let's let's move on to our feature then. So we're going to interview Kimberly, as we've already introduced. Um, As a reminder, she's the curator of the upcoming Game on the History of Video Games and Gaming Consoles at our library, the NIU Founders Library. Uh, She's a librarian and assistant professor there. And... Uh, she contacted me probably a month or a month and a half ago and said, hey, I'm starting this exhibit. I'm in charge uh, of kind of um, curating it and getting some stuff together. Would you be interested in being a part of it? And I was like, absolutely. Oh, my God, this is a dream come true. So um, we were going to just talk to her a little bit about that and about her background. So. Let's start kind of before we get to the exhibit. I just want to know a little bit more about you. So can you tell us a little bit about your history as a gamer? Because I know that you kind of came into this exhibit with a history. Um, but let's let's set a little bit of context. So how? what's your can you give us like a history of yourself and how did you get into games? What kind of games are you into? That kind of thing. Yeah, I think that, you know, as a child of the of the early 80s, um, the timing was just right for me to get into Nintendo, Super Nintendo, PlayStation. Like, I was just the right age to really be swept up by all of that. So, um, you know, even early on, um, I remember us getting a Nintendo for Christmas and you know, that was like the first Christmas that we didn't go to church because I refused to leave the Nintendo, <laughs> you know, like uh. I was really drawn in early <laughs> on. Um, in, oh, in fifth grade, I um, I had problems like I couldn't sleep over at people's houses. I always would always cry and go home. And it wasn't until fifth grade because my friend had a Sega Genesis, which we like couldn't afford or, you know, whatever. Right. Um, and like that was the first time I could successfully like spend the night at someone's house. So there were like a lot of life moments that um, that had to do with like video games and gaming that were important to me. And I would say that um, I kind of like not dropped off, but like I kind of have stuck with some of the older systems. Part of, part of that is like financial. Like I I own a PS3. I don't have a PS4 or five, which should probably change things, you know, like I haven't played the um, Final Fantasy VII remake uh, yet, but I, I've i been kind of stuck in the like the, I don't know if it's like the middle ages of, of gaming. Um, and so, yeah, when uh, I was actually approached about this, the idea of a retro gaming exhibit, I was like this, like you, like this is a dream come true for me. Was, did it start as a retro gaming exhibit or did they just say, hey, do you want to do something with video games? And you sort of pushed it toward that direction. It started as a retro gaming exhibit. So okay. what happened was um, uh, Janine East and Sarah Finnegan, who work for um, the Division of Outreach, Engagement and Regional Development, 
Um, and esports, they actually approached our dean, um, Dean Fred Barnhart of uh, the libraries, and they it was their idea to they said, hey, like, what do you think about doing a retro gaming exhibit? And he kind of tossed it to me, and I'm not sure why he tossed it to me. It's not like he knew that I was like, you know, really interested in retro games. It just happened that way, um, and so. I'm not sure why they picked retro games, to be honest. I think the idea may have been, you know, okay, it's an exhibit in the library and, you know, libraries are, it's historical and archival Mm -hmm. and, you know, like maybe the association with the library Um, and also esports, you know, like they have the the newer consoles and and games and tournaments and things like that. So it was maybe an area that um, they didn't have as much you know, stuff. Did they, did they know your background as a digital archivist, uh, at all? Maybe they had something to do with it too. Honestly, I think that, I think that, um, the reason it was kind of like punted to me was that, um, or offered to me, not punted, but offered to me was that, uh, I'm the student success librarian. So, um, one of my, like my main role at NIU libraries is to, um, to engage the students and, Part of that is um, is like coming up with fun stuff for them. So, you know, if it's like, hey, fun having to do with students, it's like, you know, see if Kimberly wants to do it, which is awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, I love that stuff. So, yeah. So once you had it, and so I, I was surprised by that. I, I originally thought it was just sort of a vague, like, do you want to do a video game exhibit? But it does make sense because like you said, a lot of the, if we're thinking about our students who are coming in and they're, 18 to 22 years old many of them grew up with playstation 2 playstation 3 that's the stuff they're used to so Mm -hmm. it does it does make sense to like educate them or kind of give them the opportunity to learn about what led led to the consoles that they're used to so once you were handed this project did you have like a, a vision for it just kind of to start with or was it just sort of like, I guess, you know, here's, oh, I guess we'll just have video games and like show them. Or was there like a, a guiding vision that you had? I There, there kind of wasn't a guiding vision, to be honest. I just started out, you know, they, I don't know how we, we came to consoles as instead of like focusing on games, spe- like specifically, or, you know, people that um, were involved with the development. We were really focusing on the consoles, and I'm not sure how that that came about, but that was sort of my only organizing thought at, at the start. And honestly, um, it wasn't till you and I had coffee that one day that I was, you know, I, I came to you with some ideas, and I was really struggling with, like, how to narrow it down, you know, like, when do we start, when do we end, do we do it thematically, Um And we kind of, uh, I think together picked like these three time chunks that, you know, kind of represented these different like phases in um, video game console history. And so we did it, wound up organizing things around that, but also um, when looking at the timeline, tried to also talk about some of the um, diverse people that were involved in video game history because there's so many different directions that, you know, we could take this exhibit in. And, um, and that was something that I definitely wanted to be a, a part of it. And speaking of that, we had had a conversation early on when you told me that you wanted to make sure you highlighted some of these people who 
um, I wouldn't say have been forgotten because they haven't by everyone, but have been sort of pushed to the side in favor of some of the big names like Will Wright and Sid Meier and stuff like that. Um, so in looking at some of these people, were there any that kind of stood out to you as particularly interesting or important or that were surprising in any way? Yeah. So also the timing for this was great because I had, I think recently in the past year had seen the, um, the Netflix documentary high score. Is that the name of it? I think so. I think that's the name of it. Yeah. And they really had what's wonderful about that documentary is that they focus on, um, on individuals like women and um, people of color that are not as, as talked about or celebrated in video game history. So um, one from, from that documentary, but also in my research uh, for this, for this project is uh, Jerry Lawson, who developed basically the um, basically invented the interchangeable cartridge. So, you know, cartridge gaming instead of these like fixed units with the uh, Fairchild channel F and like, Mm -hmm. that's pretty major, you know? Yeah. It's still, I mean, we use CDs now, but it's still mm -hmm. interchangeable media. Exactly. The idea that a game could be on a disc or on a cartridge and you could buy it, plug it in, hand it off to someone, sell it, all that kind of stuff is just like you said it's it's still the basis for how we play could you imagine if right. we still had to buy like individual boxes per game <laughs> like yeah well one of the things i found so kimberly sent me a timeline um that she put together and i loved that you put the conversion of money for one of the units i think oh, it was a magnavox yeah. odyssey yeah which you said was like i think 250 dollars at the time or something and it converts to 600 and something dollars mm-hmm. in today's money and like at first i want to be like well i mean i guess that's about what i paid for my playstation 5 but i'm like but then you think about that's what you paid five for a playstation like 5 <laughs> a supercomputer mm-hmm. basically compared to this you know even at the time people knew that it wasn't all that impressive it was like an incredibly weak pot like underpowered computer or arcade machine either way and so you're paying just, and of course, computers were a ton of money at that point in time too. But just to think about how how hard it must have been for the average person to get into games in the late 70s into the 80s before Nintendo came along and kind of um, revamped or revived the industry. That was a, a tidbit that jumped out to me on that timeline because... I don't think I think we look back and we're like, oh, yeah, 250. It's not that bad. Like, Yeah, well, I think that it, and it seems like pretty consistently um, things, the consoles kind of come out to about like $500 in today's money. But there are these weird exceptions. Like I think Neo Geo would be like 12, 1200 in today's money or something. Yeah. That is just. Yeah, I want to say that those were like six hundred dollars six to seven hundred dollars yeah. like and, out, the, yeah, and then the, the cartridges time. on top of that were already i think those ran about a hundred to a hundred and fifty dollars per cartridge so like those were, that wasn't cheap either wasn't the atari jaguar a bunch of money too the jaguar I was i think at the time so that would that would have been what like end of super nintendo beginning of playstation ish yeah, uh, I think that was like 250, 350, somewhere around there. 
Ron, I swear you have like an, an internet chip in your head. Every time you look up, you're just actually searching the internet for things in He's your like brain. like 12 million results. I, I'm, yeah. No, I'm trying to like, I, I I have a very photographic memory. So I'm thinking back to like, you know, EGM ads where they have the mm-hmm. picture of the system and the price on there. Mm-hmm. And I want to, well, like the, the Neo Geo stuff, I just remember like friends having, you know, the VCS and like telling me how much it costs. I'm like, oh, okay. That's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, you, Jerry Lawson. Jerry, yeah, he. I I was happy to see that he um, was featured, and like you said, he was featured in the documentary as well. Um, I'm forgetting the name. I should have looked this up, but there is a composer who did many early video game soundtracks who is trans, and I should have looked up the name. I didn't think that I would turn this inter- interview around on me. The question was for you, but now I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, there's this <laughs> trans composer. Um, I'll look it up. I'll add it to the show notes. But um, I think she, her work has been so far reaching. It's like she's one of those people that you don't realize how much she's done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she is, she's one of my favorites of the, the old school developers. Um, so... It sounds like everything went sort of swimmingly. Like you said, there was this idea. It was sort of, you used the word punted, but then you said not not really punted, but kind of found its way to you Mm -hmm. again through maybe serendipity. Um, But did you come into any like challenges or roadblocks or did you get any resistance from people? Because in my experience, just which is a very different arena, but as like an English major or English scholar trying to do video game studies, I'm constantly being kind of like not taken seriously or having mm. people sort of treat my work as sort of like a, Oh, that's nice kind of thing. I imagine it's very different in libraries because libraries take texts very seriously. But did you, did you run into any resistance, any pushback, any kind of hesitation about, you know, funding or giving you space or anything like that? You know, no, I luckily I haven't all, all of the issues that I've had have just been like, logistical issues like you know oh the printer is broken or you know that kind of thing um i'll say that in in the library the the faculty are um are all tenure track faculty and they take um uh, academic freedom very like very seriously and so if this is you know an area that i'm interested in and i know there's another um, library uh, faculty member who um, does some research in in pop culture, um, you know, like that is respected. So I, f- I feel very lucky because I do know that, you know, uh, that there still is that like stigma about video games, you know, not being taken seriously um, in academic circles. So And I will say that, you know, that's I think that's changing and we're seeing, you know, programs developing around that and um I think that there is, especially with the support of esports on campus, there is like a, a desire to kind of develop that more. So it's been all good. It's again, just, you know, little issues like printers and supplies and, you know, kind of the logistics of COVID is, you know, kind of made things a little bit difficult. Yeah, certainly. You mentioned um, like video game, like I can't remember the wording you used, but um, the library taking texts very seriously. Again, I can't remember the wording, but your section 
on the the website that you sent me um, about topics in video game research was super impressive. It was it was very expansive. You'd sent me, I think, a preview version maybe like a month ago, and there was like mm-hmm. a few things on there. But like now, there's just tons of really interesting text by a lot of really interesting scholars. Um, so I was wondering because the the page is about topics. If there are topics or areas of game research that you are particularly interested in. And I have to shout out to uh, Deanna Ferris, who is a librarian also. And she, um, she, I, I had done the preview part, but the super impressive part was, was really her additions. Um, she actually has her PhD in English and I don't think this is an area that she has personally studied in, but, um, she's just an excellent researcher in general. So she put a lot of that together. Um, but for me personally, um, my my background, my I have my library degree and my other master's is in um, communications. And in communication, I, I focused um, heavily on fan studies and um, ACA fans, academic fans. So kind of people like you, Joey, you know, like people who are academics, but also fans and and um, different like fan cultures and fan receptions and things like that. So um, I haven't done a ton of research myself in those areas, but the the reading that I do, and I've I've done a little bit of teaching in in those areas, um, looking at fans and and uh, reception, and um, really interested lately in sort of like the um, how gender and different identities play into that, and like the gatekeeping that happens in um, video game fandom about like who gets to be a fan and what gets to be like a video game, you know, like do, um, like Stardew Valley. Am I a gamer if I play games like Stardew Valley, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I, I love that because we have that, we have conversations like that a lot on the podcast because it's a point of frustration for me that we have these barriers that shouldn't exist. Cause like you said, if you, if you just play, even if you just play Stardew Valley, if that's your only game and you just keep restarting it and playing it um i would consider that person a gamer i don't really think i'm not super precious about the the term gamer um but people are but once you start being precious about it for me i'm like well where does it end because at some point you're going to be less quote-unquote hardcore than the next person so everyone's going to have their own definition of well what is and what is a gamer and so i think going with the least the 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 path of least resistance is the one that's just most most fair essentially mm-hmm. um that that is a really interesting and is that how you ended up finding uh carly i, I can never remember how to pronounce her last name carly Kirk. yeah Kirk. Uh, so, or something yes yeah i had um worked at um illinois institute of technology before working at northern and uh she's a professor there so and a friend of the library Um, So I I originally met her just, you know, as in my work at the library there, but I taught a um, a class on uh, counterculture and um, it was titled from, what was the title? It was like from gamers to goths. And so I wanted to look at all sorts of like different subcultures and like talking about counterculture and subcultures and, and game culture. And we had some discussions in that class about um, Gamergate. Mm. And they were they were pretty uncomfortable discussions. So I had, um, you know, I know that female game scholars like Carly, you know, they 
women in this in in the in the academic fields of game studies um, experience the kind of stuff that goes on with Gamergate, um, you know, to this day. So, you know, you're one of the good ones, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> I know you know that, but thanks. But I'm but I'm yeah. not. Don't worry about me. <laughs> yeah, no. Ron is got to watch out. For I'm that the one. Rush Limbaugh of this podcast. Toxic, you a bowl apologist. Yeah, she's keep bringing that up. Um, I yeah, I mean that's that is one of the things that I'm happy to see when I'm doing a lot of my my gaming research is that a lot of contemporary game scholars are women, and part of me has to wonder if Gamergate was a part of that. If there were a lot of young academics who were in grad school or going into grad school and saw all of that and said. I can make a difference. I can make a change. Because like you said, to this day, a lot of the scholars experience the same kind of harassment um, that women in the gaming industry do. But I'm I'm optimistic to see so many diverse and uh, feminine voices in the in the game studies field. So hoping that continues. But I see a lot of people getting out of academia recently. So yeah, so maybe maybe not. Um, You know, it is like good to see like, you know, like the Activision Blizzard thing, like blowing up to now like a, you know, national news level scale, rather than just being like, isolated to like, just games press and stuff like that. So like, you know, it it is starting to become more mainstream and out there than before. But it's also now getting the alternate voices of people who don't get it. I think there is pro- like definitely there's progress, but I think that uh, it's easy to like to think that things are progressing more quickly or more in a more real way than they actually are. Like academia is built on like racist, sexist systems, mm-hmm. and you know that like that's going to take a real long time to like you know undo and work work through. So um, and that's. That's true about, you know, most things in this world. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the danger in celebrating um, steps forward. I mean, I think they should be celebrated, but in the past, those have always been used by the people who are running those problematic systems as a way to then basically stop the conversation and say, oh, look, we did. We're making progress. Mm-hmm. Yay. Everyone's happy. Now let's just go back to the status quo. So. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely a, a balance between like, okay, here's a good step, a positive step forward. There's some changes being made, but that's not enough. It won't be enough until we don't have to even have the conversation of, is this enough? Is this a good step? That kind of stuff. So, um, so your, your timeline when we, so we talked about this a little bit off, off camera, but your timeline for this, the history was, was very impressive. And like you said, we had this conversation about, about generations because a lot of times gamers the popular conversation about generations is you just go by the hardware generations of this is the nes generation because here's what competed with the nes here's the next generation snes that followed it but a lot of scholars are trying to break it up into more historical contexts or Mm -hmm. technological innovations and things like that um but what, were there things like like t- tell tell us a little bit about how that conversation? I'm gonna say rehash the conversation that we had, but when when you were trying to narrow it down and make those decisions about where to start and where to end, was there anything that you couldn't include? Are you 
happy with how you ended up framing the timeline and kind of starting it and ending it? Or were there things that you wish you could have included, but you didn't have access to? I know I'm asking like three or four different yeah, questions. Yeah, but... it's okay. Um, yes, <laughs> yes, and yes. <laughs> so when I was trying to figure the timeline out, um, there was a lot of like early history that is basically like the history of computing that I think is really interesting and really integral to uh, the history of, of uh, video games. And, you know, I wasn't able to include a lot of that because, you know, like nobody has that stuff. I mean, people have that stuff, but it's like, you know, the electronic numerical integrator and computer, the, the ENIAC, you know, there's just one of those. And that's, it's like this huge wall of, of computers. And um, there's just a lot of stuff that, you know, would be, would be like really uh, unique museum quality kind of unique pieces. Um, and also like we had to limit the timeline somewhat. So we, I think you and I had talked and kind of stopped with the Xbox because as we were thinking together about like the different eras, instead of doing it by like these generations, um, there was the logistical, uh, uh, what's the word, the logistical roadblock of, um, of how many display cases we had and like how much actual room we had to display things. So we really only have um, three three cases. So it's like, how could we chunk this up into like three different periods? And so, um, and I think that Joey, this is something that um, like you had really contributed a lot to. Uh, we we had the early era, which is sort of like the transition from the arcade to the home. Um, the middle era, which is all about cartridges, and then um, the modern era, which is more about like 3D and connectivity, definitely like with Xbox Live, you know, connecting online and um, kind of ending it there with Xbox uh, just seemed like, you know, a really smooth transition to like what the modern day is. And there's no reason for me to have, you know, a PS5 in there. The kids, the kids, <laughs> you know, they have the PlayStation 5 at home or, you know, like that's something that, you know, maybe that people are already familiar with. Well, that, so, that's the thing too, is like, that's what we went with from the, from that era of game gaming. It really hasn't like progressed in the same fashion that like it did in earlier eras like you know, the graphics have gotten better and like this and that but it's still you know mm -hmm. 3d it's still connected it's still you know i right. if anything it's only just gotten bigger and more grandiose than anything but it's still the same as it was 10 years ago yeah and it makes me wonder like what is the next thing and actually i heard on npr um today that facebook just recently announced that they're over the next five years, they're going to develop a multiverse. Like their company is going to be like a multiverse company. Did you hear about this? I'm out. No, I'm out. I, I think <laughs> multiverse is the word. I I, I that did. They use. I did hear something about that. They're basically like. Uh, it's and I'm kind of wondering if this is going to be like the next direct direction for gaming too. Is that they want to be able to like create this like you have this life that is connected and I, I, it's hard to explain. It's really hard to explain other than it's like, are they basically making second life like your real life? So it's going to be first life kind instead of. like, are you just going to live your kind life? Of, yeah. Online? Second life. Like ready and player one. Yeah. Yeah. That they reference that a lot. And 
like immersive technology where, you know, you're always wearing something that is like, you know, a filter that is like filtering your reality through this like alternate reality. I'm definitely That out. becomes your primary reality. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I wonder if that is going to be sort of like the next ma- major phase in everything, especially if we are going to be living in like a series of pandemics and we can't physically do the things that we used to as much, like this might actually be the next, you know, evolution of things. I don't know. This is the, this, Why does it have this, to be Facebook though? Because, I know, because I know. they, <laughs> they own everything. That's why they have Instagram, yeah, they have Facebook, they have, Ocu- they have the technology to do it now. Cause they have Oculus. Like they right. can, they can make all this. But happen. you know, it's not going to just be Facebook. Like no. this is, I think this is the next like thing. So, so but, but which one point, are you Ron, guys? Yeah, which, you're right. I think. Which one are you guys maining? <laughs> are you guys going to main the TikTok uh, unit multiverse or what? There's going to be like. Definitely. Virtual knife fights. The Facebook squad versus the TikTok crew. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I would go. I would be TikTok. Twitter is a thing. It's it's its own brand Twitter of annoying, but it's not yeah. not as I'll ch- nearly as bad as I'll Facebook, choose but. MySpace. Let's go back to that. If we could, <laughs> if we could, if we only knew at that time that mm-hmm. that the most annoying that Facebook Facebook wow. <laughs> That's oh, what that's they should the, call it. That's the, the alternate timeline where <laughs> yeah. Facebook and MySpace combined into yeah. space, Facebook. Facebook. Um, better than my <laughs> my book, uh, but but yeah, like I, if we if we only realized that the glittery, like, flashy animations, animated gifs were the worst that it was going to get, because I was like, oh, those are so stupid, I hate them, but. You know, it only went. It gonna, only got it's worse. It's gonna get much worse. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And like you said, with with Xbox, I thought that that was a good place to end too, because in that generation, if we're talking about like hardware generations, that is sort of the step. That's the the launching platform for the current um, environment, because at that point in time, it was Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft. And mm-hmm. now it's Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft. So going all the way back to the original Xbox, the PlayStation 2, and the GameCube, um, it only sort of evolved from there. And as you mentioned with Xbox Live, that was the start of connectivity and um, games being certain games being exclusively online and and all that kind of stuff. So I thought that was a that was a smart place to end it. So let's talk about let's talk. I don't think we've talked about the exhibit yet. Like what? can we expect so um for listeners who are in the area if you want to show up to niu's founders library which is in the center of campus um, what can people expect to see and when does it run sure so it's going to run from august 15th uh, through september 15th and as far as uh opening hours to the public that date is a little bit up in the air right now. The semester starts on the 23rd of August. And um, I, I believe by that time, we will be reopened to the public. Because of COVID, we have been uh, closed to just uh, current students, faculty, and staff. Um, so they can certainly see it um, starting August 15th. 
Um, and again, for the public date, I'm not completely sure yet, but definitely by the 23rd. And uh, the, the library hours are on our website. Um, we do have some reduced hours until the semester starts, so 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. Um, but once the semester starts, we are open late till midnight um, most of the throughout most of the week, including some weekend hours. So uh, the exhibit is open as long as the library is open. It is, you know, on the kind of in the open on the first floor of Founders Memorial Library. So you walk into the doors, past the security gates, and um, just move a little bit to the right and keep walking forward, and you'll you'll see the uh, exhibit cases right there. Awesome. What you'll see is the the timeline. Um, you'll see Joey's uh, vintage collection. A little bit, a little bit of mine. It is mostly Joey's though. <laughs> uh, so you'll see uh, gaming consoles from Atari through Xbox, um, along with handheld consoles and um, even a Virtual Boy, which I'm just really excited about. <laughs> uh, also, it'll be somewhat interactive. So there are, there'll be QR codes um, that you can use your phone to click on and, and see kind of like what the gameplay looked like and some of the commercials and things like that. Um, and then just read a little bit of the history at um, each console about sort of, you know, its reception, um, release date, um, a little bit of, you know, like tidbits about that. Uh, so that is the physical exhibit, but there is also a, um, a virtual exhibit that it is live now, but it's kind of being edited a little bit. And uh, it has all of that, that history, the timelines, um, the resources that you were talking about, so thematic reading lists and links links out to um, different multimedia documentaries, things like that, and to your podcast. So, yeah, I was yeah. very excited when you mentioned that. I was like, oh, wow, like I might actually have some listeners now. No, um, you also mentioned, uh, I don't know if maybe this didn't come to pass, but is there a hands-on portion where students can play games or compete yes. or something? So there um, will be a series of uh, retro gaming nights. So we yeah. um, purchased some mini consoles to use uh, with eSports. So this is going to be on Fridays. Um, let's see. Let me grab those dates real quick. And that, this up. is only open to students, faculty, and staff. So I'm yeah, I'm definitely going to show up and like. I'm I'm nervous though because like on the one I'm in my dream scenario, I'm playing like you know younger students who haven't played retro games so i completely <laughs> just crush them and embarrass them but i think the reality of it is that they're so good at, at contemporary games that i'm gonna go in like a, hey, hey here i go and they're gonna just wipe the floor with me and i'll be I like i don't know oh. i bet you're pretty good <laughs> i we'll see uh i we so it's gonna see. be fridays uh three to five um august 27th september 3rd and september 10th and um, those are part of the week of welcome activities uh, for the for the university to kind of welcome new and returning students. Um, that's going to be in the basement of the library, so next to the Einstein's Bagels. And again, we're going to have consoles um, hooked up, the mini retro consoles hooked up to TVs and gameplay. But we're also going to have video game trivia, so um, you can win prizes. We've got some little prizes from eSports and um, GameStop also donated some things. Um, so yeah, that would be fun. You should definitely compete in the video game trivia, Joey. I bet yeah, you do, do very it. well. <laughs> Ron, you should come out. We'll do a little tag team it like we did. We did. We tag yeah, teamed a, um, 
a video game soundtrack competition once, and we we came in Ooh. first and second place. Yeah. It was it was a lot of fun. Did you win um, anything? We did, but I don't. It, it was, was like I think it was, it was like a, I think it was like a gift card. I yeah. Was, yeah. Like okay. Twenty bucks or something. It was it yeah. was very very small, but um, are you going to come out? And, I'm not trying to pressure you at all, Ron. But no, are you? Do you think you'll you'll make out? You'll make it out. Uh, you think I'll make out? You think I'll make out with the game exhibit? I probably will. I make said out. make it out. <laughs> Make it out. <laughs> we'll go back to the tape. Don't Make worry. it out naked. Um, yeah, I, I, I plan on I plan on trying to come out. I don't know. I don't know when, Kimberly. I'm sure we'll figure out a time. Yeah, when. we could coordinate. Yeah, trivia yeah. night. Trivia. Well, if that's, yeah, because it, it's Friday. Is that for only faculty and before students, Friends or Friday. is that everybody? No. Well, that's a good question. Um, but I so the the gaming like technically is for faculty, students, and staff, but. Um, so you could certainly be my plus one. I will be. I will be there for all of the events and um, and yeah. It is during our open hours, so anyone can come in the library okay. um, at that time. Yeah, I, I, so. I do. Plan or, we'll dress you out, like so. Steve Buscemi. Yeah, we'll dress you like Steve Buscemi in the meme with like the backwards oh, hat. Oh, hi, fellow. How, how's it going, fellow like, kids? Hello, my fellow students. Yeah, just exactly. Music yeah. band shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it would be perfect because early '90s games, retro games, are all about like skateboards and mm-hmm. things being radical. Earthbound, um, <laughs> yes, Earthbound. Um, well, okay. Speaking of Earthbound, I, we we touched on it a little bit earlier. I was gonna I was gonna kind of follow some of these more um, kind of serious, event oriented questions up with more kind of loose, fun stuff. But we've already talked about your favorite game. Um, do you have a favorite platform or console among the ones that you? Oh, definitely. Are Super Nintendo. That is, I've forever identified myself as like who I am as a person, as a Super Nintendo collector. Um, and so, yeah, Super Nintendo for sure. I mean, it has like the best RPGs and, yeah. you know, it's just, yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. You, you, when we were talking about um, consoles and you were, you were asking like, what, what you, would you be available to, um, loan to us i was like super nintendo and you were like no 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 nope my i I have i got that cover several super nintendos (laughs) for some reason for some reason you just gotta have backups like (laughs) post-apocalypse like you gotta make sure they all work um and so we've already talked about your favorite game tell us more about your super some of your favorite super nintendo games so that's your favorite console we mm-hmm. talked about chrono trigger mm-hmm. uh any final fantasies you you mentioned earthbound is that up there Please. earthbound is up there um i have i have problems with earthbound because my battery is dead so i, I had gotten really far and then my battery died and so like it just burned me you know mm. so i haven't replaced well have i repl- no i haven't replaced it yet so um that's happened with a number of my games uh i need to replace batteries uh zelda of course uh just all zelda games in general but especially um for the super nintendo um secret of mana for, for like forever i if you had asked me my favorite game i would have said secret of mana because i liked that I, you know you could have like you know all these people playing at once and that was really fun um i like the the battle the the fights in secret of mana um uh super mario rpg legend of the seven stars oh, is yeah. a fun game too 
uh, Aerosmith. No, I'm just, just kidding. <laughs> I do, I do own the Aerosmith game, but uh, Pro- is that Project X? Pro- is that what I think it's called? Yeah, no, Revo- Revolution, Revolution, Revolution X, X. Revolution yeah. X. Yeah. yeah, Revolution oh, X. Oh lord, they they ported that to the yeah. SNES. I shouldn't be surprised. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Did you ever play Rise of the Robots? It was a fighting game. No. It was meant to be like 3D, like revolutionary graphics. They were trying to copy Killer Instinct, I think. No, I think it was um, I think it was before that even. The oh, I thought it was like trying to imitate the Killer Instinct I'm, arcade. I'm, I'm game. gonna look it up here. I think that's before that okay. though. Okay, so the robots. Fact, fact check it. Um but it was it was t- so terrible and I bought into the hype because of course were you a subscriber to Nintendo Power? I was. Right, I figured probably were, and I was as well. And they were made us such a huge deal. They were like just amazing game, cutting edge graphics, all these things. And I bought it, and I was like, number one, the graphics are not as good as they look in the previews, of course. And number two, the game, the fighting mechanics were just terrible. Um, yeah, I've not, I've not seen that one. Uh, they both yeah, came out, uh, but Nintendo Power. Oh, go ahead, I was going to say, they both came out in 94. Uh, Rise of the Robots was originally a uh, Amiga and DOS game that was port- then ported to SNES, Mega Drive, and ah. 3DO. Um, hmm. But they both came out in 94, so they would have been developed concurrently at that point. Hmm. So, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, Nintendo Power. That was another thing that I learned doing this project was that that was uh, the editor and I can't remember her name right now, uh, was a woman. So Nintendo Power was like founded and edited by uh, a woman. Right. So that's an interesting piece of video game history because that really, you know, further brought video games into the mainstream. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I loved Nintendo Power. Looking back on it, it's it's such blatant Nintendo propaganda. But you know what? <laughs> I was okay with what, it. What, what, I have the issue. I was gonna say, what was, was your, what was your first issue of Nintendo Power that you? Bought? I don't remember what my first one was that I bought. Um, it was a while before I subscribed because I had to convince my mom to write a money order or whatever it was. But mm. like the first one that I bought, I have no idea. It was far too long ago. Do you remember yours? I'm assuming it, it was. It had Doctor Mario on the cover which I think is like issue oh, like wow. 14 or something like that. And then I subscribed around 32, I think. It was uh, WrestleMania 90. It was like the, no, no, it was a, the Royal Rumble game, I think, for SNES was on the cover. It was uh, Hulk Hogan leg dropping someone with a Photoshop Super Nintendo controller in his hand. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think mine was uh, Donkey Kong Country. So it was later. I'm looking at the covers. I remember Um, Donkey Kong being in the cover. There are a lot of covers that I'll just, I have completely slipped my my memory and then I'll look at them and I'll be like, oh, I had that one. But I just don't, I don't recall them very easily. One that I did buy much later, I think you might have been with me, Ron, was um, Sonic the Hedgehog on the cover of Nintendo Power. Oh yeah, I remember that was like, it was a big deal because it was, had Sonic on the cover of Nintendo yeah. Power. We specifically went looking for that issue, like the the the, the week it was coming out. I do remember we got. I think it was for Sonic Adventure Two. I believe that's correct. Yeah, we bought it at the yeah. Walmart right by my parents' house. Yeah, at the magazine. Yeah, it was rack. the first. Yeah, it was the first. It was when um, Sega had gotten out of the hardware game and they were going multi-platform. So Sonic was coming to a Nintendo console for the first time. I think. Um, and that when you grew up in the eighties and nineties, when 
Sega and Nintendo were bitter rivals to see one mascot on another, you know, platform was just, just mind blowing. But, um, okay. So I've gotten off, got off track a little bit. Let me pull it back. Uh, is there anything else that we should know about the exhibit? Do people have to buy tickets? Can we take pictures? Like is photography allowed? That kind of so thing. So you do not need to buy tickets or anything. You can just come into the library. Um, again, walk straight, straight ahead a little bit to the right. It's on the uh, southwest side of the library. So again, as you're walking in just a bit to the right, um, and you can just walk up to it. And um, in, the sh- in the show notes, uh, I can give you the link to the digital exhibit too, which okay. um, has uh, a link to also the programs and, and things like that. Um, people can take pictures and and all of that. And again, um, you know, bring your cell phone and uh, so you can snap those QR codes to do the interactive bits. That's cool. That's really exciting. I don't even know. I, I'm so old that I'm like, what's a QR code? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but that that is really exciting. I'm, I'm really actually curious to, to check that out. But um, thank you so much for joining us, Kimberly. Uh, mm-hmm. I really appreciate it. Um, definitely people, if you're in the area, go check it out. I'm going to be there. Um, probably multiple days because I'm I'm really excited about this. I just want to, I just want to like hide and hear people talk about old games, like especially these younger students who may or may not have grown up around that time and know much about it. I'm really curious to hear people's thoughts on the hardware and the games and and that kind of thing. I want to go there and overhear the students say like, "Man, who's the nerd that wasted all their money on all these things?" <laughs> Are they going to say, who's the creepy guy peering at us around the corner? Um, oh, it's the it same person. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely check it out. I'll probably post some pictures that I take to social media. Um, but thank you again for joining us. I'm so excited. Thank you for inviting me to be part of it. I'm, I'm really honored to be a part of it. Uh, thank you, Ron, for joining us. You can find us at prettypixelspodcast at gmail.com. Oh, wait, wait. I just remembered something. You were talking oh. about posting pictures. Yeah. And... Um, well, I said you could take pictures of the exhibit. I should probably check in with my um, my AD because I believe photography is not allowed in the library. So oh. I'll see if I can get that okayed for the exhibit because I think that would be really nice. Like, hey, you can just take pictures just in this area. Um, so I'll see if I can get that done. But uh, but yeah, so scratch what I said and um, hold. Joey, <laughs> yeah, just words. Joey, just put a <laughs> yes. just put a big beep. Over that part where Kimberly was talking, in case it well, can't yeah, happen. Yeah, just I won't cut it out at all. <laughs> Sorry, <Just> Leanne. <laughs> I well, I I apparently I'm I'm a rule breaker because I always go in and take pictures of like the the spines of books where I'm like, hmm, might want to check. Yeah, this out later I'm pretty like, sure that's fine. Yeah, well, not, it's no, one of those, he's going like, to get fired now because he he said that he's going to get yeah, picked up by the library gonna... police. <laughs> The library police. Um, so it's probably just to protect people from going yeah, and taking yeah, pictures of others. More so. We don't want, you know, we want people to feel comfortable yeah. in in the space and that, you know, people aren't, yeah, seeing what they're reading or, you know, just the whole privacy aspect. But I think that the exhibit is kind of a, you know, a different a different beast. So, um, but I will clarify that. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. So definitely yeah. check. Uh, if you show up with a camera and you want a camera with your phone and you want to take pictures, just make sure to <laughs> to check. There'll probably be a sign, I'm assuming. But um, yeah, but yeah, you can find us uh, if you want to email us. Uh, if you have any questions about the exhibit, feel free to email me at podcast at sorry podcast prettypixelspodcast at gmail dot com. Kimberly, where can people find you if they want to 
reach out to you about either the exhibit or just follow you on social media? Oh, uh, yeah. On Twitter, I am K Shotik. That's K S H O T I C K. Um, and then, so, you know, please connect with me there. But if you do have questions about the exhibit, um, either there or my NIU email is uh, kshotik at niu.edu. All right. I will put links in the show notes. Thank you again for joining us. You can find Ron at BigBadRon at twitter.com. No, BigBadRon at BigBadRon. I'm going to, I'm, I'm, Just I told you the end of the episode is always so hard. You're so bad. Yes. It's at big bad Ron. Just don't want to go because we're having too much fun. And then I know. Not big bad Ron on Instagram. Again, I use it more often. So. Not that, okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I always throw out your Twitter handle, but you're like, I, yeah, I, I mean, I post to Twitter through Instagram. So, I mean, I guess you could follow me on Twitter too. But then it only shows up as a link. So every time you do it, I'm like, I guess I'll go to Instagram and like it. Cause... You're looking at Instagram anyway, so. Yeah, well, shut up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me at Losperman on Twitter. Um, you can find me on Instagram, too, if you want to look. I just post pictures of my cat, so uh, those are up. But, yeah, reach out to us if you have any questions. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we will talk to you next week. Okay, Bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for stopping by. Worst. The worst. <laughs>